Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. The Word of God, hey? It's good. The Word of God is good. It is a great thing to be in the Word of God. And uh, this morning we have a we're continuing on with our Mark series, A Journey Through Mark, and we're only a, a tiny bit of the way through it, and I'm excited because I know that God's got so much for us in the coming weeks about what He wants to show us through this incredible uh, book of the Bible. And so we are going to read this morning from Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's pray. God, we love your word. And you know what? Probably sometimes we take it for granted, but God, there is so much life in your words for us today, Lord God. And I pray that you would just help us to have a moment this morning where the word comes alive, where it reignites something in our heart, where you work your incredible magic, Lord God, and do something supernatural in us. Lord God, I pray right now that you would just help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning and to take it and to run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So week three of this series, and um, I'm excited about it. Ben might yawn a bit because he did get up to watch the the uh, soccer this morning, and that was good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I stayed in bed. It was nice and warm, so I did not feel the cold. It was good. Um, but we are going to have a great time this morning as we come around what this part of the Scripture wants to say to us. What is it that God wants to say to us this morning from this particular verse? And, you know, I was thinking about life, you know, as you do, life. Life's made up of lots of different moments, right? Lots of things that happen that just get stitched together to form our lives. And I was thinking about this, and there are moments that I really love and that I want to remember forever, like when my teenager thinks that I'm cool and wants to talk to me. I want to remember that forever. (laughs) There's other moments, like this one time, that I went to a party and nobody told me, but I had this really disgusting, gross pimple on my nose and I walked into the bathroom and saw it and was horrified and there was this moment of complete and utter horrification. Is that even a word? I've just made up a new word. I love new words. And I was just mortified that I had this terrible pimple on my nose that nobody had told me about. And I'd been at this party for like hours and hours. It was awful. Anyway, you might not be able to relate to that. I obviously have a moment there that I don't want to remember, but I do. And um, But there are other moments in our lives that we call milestones, right? There are milestones in our lives that we really do remember because they are so significant to us. Um, And I'm not really great at celebrating uh, my own stuff all the time. And I I do like to celebrate and I do like to celebrate other people's things as well. But sometimes I just forget. Ben and I have had one year where we totally forgot that it was our wedding anniversary. That should be something we remember, right? It should be a milestone we remember. Totally forgot. Sorry about that. Ben, you can be sorry to me too because neither of us remembered. But 
There are also moments like the birth of our children or perhaps um, the death of a loved one, which is a huge milestone for us. And that can be really heartbreaking and a moment that changes us. It can also be something like um, perhaps we move away from all that we know where we have to move to a different state or a different country. And so we move and this becomes a milestone that we remember. Or it might be something like winning the lottery, which I'm not condoning by a ticket. That is not what I'm saying. But it would change your life forever, right? You're not going to forget that. There are some milestones that are a really big deal when we look back on them. And for some of us, our salvation experiences is one of those milestones. There was a moment... There was a moment where Jesus really made himself clear and we knew that he was our saviour, that he was the one we wanted to live for. But for me, it was more of a gradual experience. So it was like more like a season of little decisions or little movements towards Jesus where eventually I knew that I was saved and I knew that God loved me and I knew what Jesus did for me. Um, and, but it wasn't that big bang moment for me. But my life was changed forever through that season. So I'm, I guess I'm asking you, what are those moments that you look back on and think, oh, that changed my life? I'm sure that there are some that come to mind right now for you. Some of them are going to be celebration moments. Some of them may be a bit more sad, but they are those moments that you can't forget. Well, this particular message or passage in Mark is a huge milestone moment for Jesus and therefore for us as well. Let me read it one more time. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So let's start at the beginning. After John was put in prison, Jesus went. Now, this may seem really small in the scheme of all the scriptures and, and the things that we can read, but there is a lot that we can learn about Jesus in this moment. You know, John the Baptist was the person who announced the coming of the Messiah. He was the one who was announcing the coming of Jesus. He had an, a, a prophetic anointing that was on John, which prepared the way for a huge change to the way that people were going to see the kingdom of God. They were going to see the Messiah. They were going to understand the promises of God and all that he had said would happen and redeem Israel and indeed the rest of the world. This was a big deal. But you see, while John was here baptizing people and pointing people towards Jesus and towards what was to come, Jesus could bide his time. He was still being introduced, if you like. John was there to point people towards what was coming. But when John went to prison, which is what we see happens in this particular scripture, when John went to prison, he was stopped. He couldn't do that anymore. It was now or never for Jesus to make his move. It was time for Jesus to stand up and point people to the Father. It was time for Jesus to stand up and get them ready, get everybody ready for what will be, what would be the greatest gift given to mankind. For the redemption that was coming, to get a group of disciples ready to change the world with a message of hope. How incredible to get hearts prepared for teaching that would change their lives and our lives forevermore. He was there and the list goes on. He, had, he was there to do so much. John was the introduction. Jesus was the main event. 
John was the one who said, this is going to happen. And you know, sometimes we, we get to the introduction, but we, we don't get past the introduction and we miss the main message. Well, John was here to say, I don't want you to miss the main message. There's a main message coming and he's a whole lot better than me and his name is the Messiah and we want you to know him. And he is there pointing people. It's like going to a concert and seeing the great, um, you know, introductory act, the, what do they call it? The supporting act. You see this great supporting act, but then you miss the main message. You walk out before it happens and you miss it. We don't want you to miss this. This is the main message. This is what we are living for. And this is a big deal in this scripture. It is a huge milestone. John being in prison marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is big. The other thing that we want to note here is that Jesus started his ministry after his cousin and probably one of the closest people to him, potentially, in the world was unfairly put in prison. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus went. He didn't wait. He went. John had this incredible ministry. We read before this that he baptized Jesus and now, and, and now he was put in prison. But Jesus didn't let this stop him from announcing the good news. Jesus didn't allow this adversity to stop him. In fact, it propelled him into his purpose. You know, I think that if I had one of my closest friends in prison or had just been, and particularly unfairly put in prison for something that I was about to go and do, which was declare truth, and the rulers were not really going to know it, I'd probably be a little bit nervous about that. I might let it get to me. I might let it stop me from actually standing up and saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I know that I'm called to do, but I just might wait. I'll just wait until things die down a little. I'll just wait until, you know, I've got, I'm on their good side again. I'm just going to wait until it sort of settles down. Well, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't do that. He stood up and he said, I'm going to go now. He went. So what actually could have taken him out actually spurred him on. And it was the catalyst to, his ministry, to him beginning the ministry he was called to. I want to ask us this morning, how often do we let adversity take us out? How often do we let the challenges that we are facing in the world or things that are happening around us take us out and stop us from pursuing the purpose that we know that we are called to? Jesus could have been upset about Jesus in prison and stopped and just waited and ministered to John. While he was in prison, he could have chosen to do that. But we wouldn't be here today if he did. What Jesus did was he stepped out. You know, there have definitely been moments where I have allowed adversity to stop me, where I have been too upset, where I've been too hurt, where I've been too disappointed, where sickness has taken hold or whatever it might be. There have definitely been moments where I have allowed that adversity to stop me from stepping into all that God has got for me. But there are other times, like when people have spoken words, harsh words over me or things that are not of God over me, where I, have, I can remember saying to myself, this is not God. This is not what God says about you. I will not let this take me out. I will not let this stop me from pursuing what it is that God has for me. And so sometimes they have, that adversity has actually caused me to stop and take a step forward instead of retreating backwards. 
which is exactly what Jesus did. He stepped forward into his ministry in that moment and continued to walk in his purpose. You know, I just want to make a quick caveat here. There are times where adversity requires our attention to be somewhere else. There are times where we need rest and we need to heal and we need to just stop for a minute and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us. But this is the key. The Holy Spirit will continue to talk to us through that adversity. We push into him. We allow him to talk to us. And at the right time, he will take us out and continue us along our line of, of purpose. He will, And we're not out of purpose when we're in that adversity and we're resting and we're healing. That's part of God's purpose for us. We need to get ourselves to a place. And sometimes that is what we need to do. And that can happen when we just listen to the Holy Spirit and we lean on him and we hear his wisdom and we walk in ready to come out the other side and take on the world, right? Take on that purpose again. So what are we taking from this first part of the scripture? We are taking that we need to know who we are and we need to know that our purpose and we need to ensure that adversity and challenges that we face don't take us out. That's what we need to remember. Just like Jesus knew who he was, what he was purposed for, so must we. So let's keep moving. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There is a lot in this one part of Scripture, and we are not going to be able to get everywhere that we would, I would like to go today, but we are going to be able to go where the Holy Spirit wants us to. So first, let me just reiterate what the good news is. The good news in the time of Jesus was always known to be an important announcement that was going to change the status of somebody. It was a life-changing, like status-altering announcement. So if a king was born, that was a good news was being announced. It was a joyful thing. If there was a change in rulership, then there was a, this was a joyful announcement. But it didn't super affect the everyday people. It didn't affect, you know, what was going on necessarily, but it did change the status of one person and therefore it changed history as they knew it in that time. So this was a good news thing. So when Jesus is proclaiming the good news, he knows that this is what people are hearing. He knows that people, when he says good news, this is a big deal. So when Jesus proclaims the good news, it is a life-altering statement. But the difference here is that it wasn't just a life-altering statement for that one person who was being changed or who had, you know, stepped into the leadership or whatever it might have been. This was a life-altering and life-changing moment for everybody. Statuses were about to change once you understood who Jesus was for all of us. It was for everybody who believed and heard the good news of Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. N.T. Wright says, it was the good and extremely dangerous news that the living God was on the move, was indeed now coming into this kingdom, and it demanded a definite response. It was God's good news. Not the good news of the world, but God himself had good news that was about to change the world. This is important. 
Jesus tells us the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So he's not only announcing the good news that the world is about to be changed forever, he's actually giving an instruction as well to repent and believe. In that particular day and age, Jesus would have been saying that to repent was to turn away from the social and political agendas of that day. But he would also have been saying, return to Yahweh, return to God. Because anyone with the knowledge of the Old Testament would have known that the only way for Israel to be redeemed was to return to Yahweh. This had to happen first. There was an action that was required. So important. It wasn't a passive announcement that meant life would continue on as normal for you know, like it would for other good news announcements of the day. This good news announcement meant that our lives were never going to be the same again. Everyone was going to have a change in their world. Jesus was calling them to repent and believe and to trust the good news that their God, Yahweh, was doing something new. For so long, the Jewish people had trusted in the law, the temple, the land, but now it was time to turn their hearts back to God and to trust only him. N.T. Wright says they were now cut to cut loose from other ties and trust him and his message. That wasn't easy then and it isn't easy now, but it's what Peter, Andrew, James and John did and it's what all Christians are called to do today, tomorrow and on into God's future. That's what we're all called to do. You know, when I was younger, I went to a more traditional church for a long time. And at that church, I knew how to do everything. So I knew the right time to kneel. I knew the right time to stand. I knew the right time to uh, say a particular response when there was a prayer that happened. I knew how to do it. And in fact, so much so that I used to make it a bit of a competition for myself to be able to like know what was going on in the, in the service next. And so I would compete with myself and I'd be like, right, I know they're going to say, and Christ be with you next. And then the priest would say, Christ be with you. And I'd be like, yes, got it. And I, I know, I had a, a sad life, didn't I? But anyway, and I used to have this competition with myself, but the problem was I knew all of this stuff. I knew where the hymns were. I knew where to get the readings from. I knew the tradition of what was going to happen in the service. But the problem was that I had it all in my head and I didn't have any heart connection with what I was doing. In fact, there were times where people would come to church with me for like on occasion and I would make a point of closing my book and putting it down so they knew that I was doing it by heart. I knew this off by heart. It was more important to me to do this off by heart than to actually think about what am I actually doing? What is it that God is saying to me in this moment? But it was lost on me. I showed up because my friends were there. I showed up because it's what you just did on a Sunday, so how, how you, what you did. But I had no idea what it meant to have an actual relationship with Jesus. Now, this is not a slight on traditional churches. That was where I was at. But it can happen just as easily in a church like ours, in a Pentecostal church, where we grow up knowing, but we don't actually have a heart connection to what it is that we're doing 
And just like the Jewish people trusted the law, the temple and the land, I got caught up in tradition without any meaning. For some of us here today, we've gotten caught up in the rituals and we've lost the real reason, the real heart connection of the why. Why are we here? Why do we worship? Why do we have communion? Why do we pray? Why do we do this? It's because this life-changing Jesus proclaims the good news and told us to repent and believe so we could live with him in eternity. Like this is the why, the ultimate why. It wasn't actually until I came to victory in uh, a lot of years ago. (laughs) No, 22 years ago, I worked out the other day, 22 years. And I walked in and there was this group of people, some of you here right now, still, 22 years later, who loved Jesus with all their heart. And I could see that what they had was this genuine connection with God. And I was like, I want that. I don't want that anymore. I want that. I felt like my spirit was awakened. There is action required with good news. Repent and believe. We either believe it to be true or we don't. There's no in-between. We live such a privileged, privileged life here. We can take for granted that we live such a privileged life. We can do what we want. And when it, becomes to, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, we can be really relaxed. We know Jesus loves us, so we don't think it will really matter if we live our lives in a way that honours God or not because he's going to forgive us. And if we just live like good people in the world then we are good to go. But the thing is, we are called to something more. When Jesus announced the good news, there was change happening. He was preempting what he was about to do. We're no longer just good people who live in the world. When we say yes to Jesus, we are now people who are made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has, creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. We are people who walk like Jesus. 1 John 2.6, Whoever claims, in him, claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We are people who live in the world, not of the world. Romans 1, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And then even this morning, I was reading in Colossians chapter 3, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And there's so much more. We don't just believe, we repent of the things of this, of this world that cause sin and cause us to live in a way contrary to that of Jesus. And we take action towards living a life that truly reflects the King of Kings. The kingdom of God is near. It is here and it is yet to come. You know, we looked at this a little bit last week, but this announcement of good news is the moment when the plan of God is set in motion to redeem humankind forever. 
Jesus coming to earth and walking in his purpose put things in motion. And repentance is the thing that propels us into participation in the kingdom of God, both here and in eternity. Jesus is calling us to a radical faith. Jesus is calling us to a radical decision. And I think sometimes we don't we forget that. We need to choose him and our life changes forever. We are changed to be children of the King of Kings, co-heirs with Christ, God's family. You know, maybe once upon a time you did have a dramatic experience, a radical change. But perhaps because of adversity or apathy or maybe worldly success, disappointment or just life stuff, we've let other things get in the way of our radical faith. And perhaps now we have compromised in areas where once upon a time we never would have compromised. Even as I was putting this message together this week, I was asking the Holy Spirit, what are the areas that I have compromised on? I know that the Holy Spirit is always working. And he's working on you differently to the way he's working on me because we're all at different stages on our faith journey. What I'm convicted on is going to be different to perhaps something that you're convicted on right now because right now the thing that I'm being convicted on is something that's really important in my journey and he needs me to know something he needs me to walk in a particular way so that I'm ready for the, in the purpose that he's got for me. And the same for you. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I know, right? What? I'm not the judge of you. And you aren't the judge of me either. I don't get to tell you where I think you should be. But when we are in community together, we should be spurring one another on to a life that looks like and reflects the life of Jesus. Because we're a family And we want each other to be growing from strength to strength. So I'm not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will use us. The Holy Spirit will use us to encourage each other to live in a way that he has called us. He will demonstrate it through the example of the people around us as well. But ultimately, we are the ones that get to make the decision. Do I want to live for Jesus or do I not? Remembering that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is God's kindness. Not a well-meaning judgment from others. It's God's kindness that takes us to a place where we want to repent, where we want to live for Him. You can read Romans 2 for more on that, and I would encourage you to. But the truth is, either we choose Jesus and the life that entails, or we choose the world. We can't have our feet in both camps and think that that's okay. Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God and therefore acceptance of him or rejection of him, whether by choice or by default, is the determining factor. Tim Keller says this, the good news of the kingdom of God is this, Jesus is that true king. And can I tell you this morning, he longs to sit on that throne. He longs to sit on the throne where you maybe have got real comfortable, but he longs to sit there. When we allow Jesus back into our lives to take up his rightful place as the king of our lives, we hand back the reins and allow him to guide us in wisdom. He he ushers in peace and fulfillment and love and he ushers out fear and insecurity and a whole bunch of other worldly things that we don't want. The kingdom of God is near because Jesus is here. 
and he is in us. Therefore, the kingdom of God is so near. The good news of the kingdom is that God will restore everything to its rightful place in its right time. You know, in the meantime, we have some choices to make. Do we want to live a life for Jesus or not? And I really hope that for all of you here today, the answer is yes, I do want to live a life for Jesus. Well, then, then we get to walk in it. And it's a life that is full of abundant hope. It is a life that is free from fear. We walk in boldness and kindness. We work out our faith with the author and perfecter of our faith. And we love people and walk in repentance and accept the forgiveness of God as we do. It is a radical way to live. And it will change the world. I guarantee you it will change the world. We only have to see the impact of Jesus' disciples after he dies to even see, to know that. I just want to take a moment for some of you here today, you might not even know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And the ultimate gift that I talked about right early on is that Jesus came to this earth and he gave his heart, not in his heart, we give our heart, he gave his life, even bigger. He gave his life for us so that we could live in eternity and give our hearts to him to live in eternity with him. What an incredible gift it was. And you know what? This morning he is offering you an invitation If you don't know him right now, he is offering you an invitation, an invitation to come, to to participate in a life that is full of abundant hope, to participate in a life that is full of life and love. You know, yep, there's going to be challenges. That's okay. He's there to walk us through those challenges. Today, I'm asking you, if that is you, Will you choose to turn away from the things of the world? Will you choose to turn away from sin and accept that hope and life with Jesus? If you could just take a minute to just close your eyes right now where you're at. You know, we don't do this every week, but I really feel there, I don't know everybody here. I don't know where your hearts are at. But if that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand so I can see you so that I can help you and pray with you after the service to be able to lead you into a place of life in Jesus, an eternal life with him. If that's you, could you just wave your hand at me? Yes, I want to receive Jesus this morning. I want to know that life that he brings. I want to walk in repentance and forgiveness today. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just give me a wave. If that's you online, would you just take a moment to let our online hosts know? You know, maybe here this morning you are already a God believer. You love him with all of your heart. Well, today I feel like we have a a moment of surrender, a moment of re-surrender. Because there's stuff that we all have gotten, let get in the way of our radical faith in Jesus. There's stuff that we have allowed to just get in there. And this morning I want to challenge us to live a life of no compromise. I want to challenge us to live a life that is radical. And you know what? I was hesitant to bring this because I've got to live this too. I've got to live this too. It's not just about the people who I'm speaking to. It's for me too. It's for you online. 
Am I willing to, let, to put down everything in my life? Am I willing to give back everything, all the stuff that I've got comfortable with? Am I willing to give it all back and to say to God, God, have your way. Use me. Do whatever you want to. Just like that song was saying before, do whatever you want to, God. I am here and I am yours. Have I gotten so wrapped up in the rituals of coming to church on a Sunday or doing my devotion in the morning or whatever it might be? Am I so wrapped up in those rituals that I have forgotten that there is a God who wants a heart connection with me, who wants me to just pour out my heart to Him in the moment of challenge, in the moment of success, in every moment? Have I forgotten that that's what it means to have a relationship, a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. Have I forgotten that this morning? You know what? That's me. I get caught up. I get caught up in all the stuff. And God's challenging me this morning because He says, repent and believe because the kingdom of God is near and He wants me He wants me and He wants you to have a life that is so full of Him, a life that pursues Him with everything that we have, that we forget what's behind and we look to what's before and we know that God is going to do something incredible in us and in the people around us because we love Him and He loves us. That's what He wants for us this morning. What is God saying to you? What is He saying to you this morning? I love you, church. I can look around and I see such incredible people in this congregation who live their lives for Jesus. But there is always something more that God is challenging us to walk towards, to do for Him. Online, He is challenging you this morning. What is it that He wants to do? Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c 3 Victory. 